Oh, it's funny. Although some of you are going, not so funny. All the milk that's been wasted over the years, right? Uh, Good morning again, everyone. Uh, My name is Ryan Alexander. I serve as the lead pastor here. Uh, Good to be with you at both of our campuses, all of you joining us live or later online. A special welcome to guests. I've got a special guest with me that I'm going to introduce in just a moment. Uh, But if you are a guest with us, uh, we're so honored that you're here. And wherever you're coming from, wherever you are, uh, we believe the Lord led you here on this Father's Day weekend at Hosanna. Happy Father's Day, dads, and granddads, and mentors, and special men. Uh, we uh, honor you and are grateful for you. Speaking of grateful, we're going to invite the ushers to come forward to receive our tithes and offerings. And as they do that, I want to tell you about uh, a conversation I had. I ran into someone at a coffee shop, and he said, you know, it'd be great to know a little bit more about where we as a church are giving our money outside these walls. And so he asked, and he shall receive, because in your program, uh, there is an insert. If you would take out your uh, uh, program and pull out an insert, there uh, is a list of some of the organizations and ministry partners that we have been investing in supporting in this fiscal year. But I want to draw your attention to one number that I'm pretty excited about, and I think we all should be, and that is this year, we, Hosanna, you, if this is your church home, have given $1,147,858 outside these church walls. That's over 10% of our church budget. Way to go, way to go, uh, Hosanna. And just know that when you give to this church, it is multiplying the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus inside and outside of these walls. Okay, so many of you were here on Mother's Day. Were you here on Mother's Day, wherever you are? Nod your head if you were. Okay, it was, yeah, it was good. It was good. And I was sitting there listening to Pastor Julia and my wife, Jen, and thinking, oh man, this is a good message. How are we going to answer the bell on Father's Day? And I was starting to sweat a little bit until I remembered, not that it's a competition, although they're going down. Uh, not, then I remembered, <laughs> then I remembered uh, that I had a ringer on my team because I was pulling out all the stops and I had no reason to worry because I had invited uh, our founding father, our founding pastor, Bill Boleyn, to join me for Father's Day. So would you welcome him? Hey, Ryan. Thank you, buddy. (laughs) Oh, good morning, folks. Bless your hearts. Thank you. You're too kind. Uh, my, my heart's beating a little fast. It just is, because I'm delighted, I'm humbled, I'm excited, I'm honored to be with you this morning. Ever since uh, Ryan invited me to be a part of this competition, or this combination, I thought, <laughs> okay, it's going to be a good morning. And I, I, I know this, that I'm, I'm saying this every time I stand here, but I love you and I love this church. I've loved it ever since Hosanna took its first breath, and I will love it until I take my last breath. I'm delighted to be with you on this Sunday morning. I want to get on topic in just a moment, but I want to tell you what happened to me on Wednesday. On Wednesday, I was in Ryan's office. Used to be my office. Now they spiffed it up. It's got new furniture, the whole deal. Fine, okay? And, and we were talking about, uh, what, you know, about this message, and we kind of did our guy thing. What do you want to talk about? Oh, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? You know, like that. Pretty heavy. <laughs> I knew, I saw the meeting that he came out of. I know the seven or eight things that he and I talked about. I knew the meeting he was going into. I know that he had vision board the night before, that he was speaking on Thursday morning and had other things, and he was preaching this weekend. 
look at me, folks. Sitting in that office again, this is what happened to me. I was touched deeply again with the feeling of what a responsibility it is to be the lead pastor here. It stretches you, it tests you in every single way. And what I want to say to you is every day since I walked out of that office, my admiration and my appreciation for Ryan has grown. It just has. And I wonder if we could take a moment to express our encouragement to our lead pastor. Okay, don't overdo it. Come on. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, guys. This is our day, isn't it? I'm glad, one of the longest days of the year, by the way. I'm glad it's your day, Dad. And I hope you get to rest a little bit today. Watch a little golf if you want to. Take a nap. Have a good meal. Play with the kids. The women are th- saying, that's what he does every day. Psst, what's the difference? <laughs> Dads, look at me. You know this. It's just a little word of caution or advice. There are, for a lot of you, young eyes looking at you. There are ears listening. So be cautious. Be good models, okay? Little guy was leaving church one Sunday morning, and he was shaking hands with the pastor. He said, Pastor, when I get a little bit bigger, I'm going to give you some money. That's wonderful. Why? Well, because my daddy says, you're the poorest preacher we've ever had at this church. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Happy Father's Day, dads. Be careful what you say. We're going to pray for you later if we have time. (laughs) What's the message about this morning? We have a message, I believe, we did work on it, pray over it. We have a message for all ears, we really do, but we want to target men this morning. Everybody's going to be blessed, I believe, but we're thinking about you guys. Ryan mentioned Mother's Day. I, too, thought it was an extraordinary message. You didn't see it. Go back and be blessed by it. Julia and Jen talked about how Jesus saw, treated, related to women. It was extraordinary extraordinary. Ryan and I kind of flip that, how Jesus saw women. What we want to talk about is how men see Jesus. What about it? I think sometimes we can pick up on these thoughts at a very young age. We see Jesus as uh, Lord, Messiah, Savior, Son of God, King of Kings. (laughs) Hear me? He is all those things. And what we're thinking about this morning, what we want to talk to you about is seeing Jesus as the most extraordinary man who ever walked on the planet, okay? He was the real deal, a real man. We want, and I think if you consider that, you'll be drawn to him even more. Are we looking for heroes in our lives? I don't know if I would say it that way. It seems like every night in the news there's a hero I don't mean to be critical, but don't you think if if everybody's a hero, then nobody's a hero? So we use that term loosely. But I am looking for, looking at men that I can admire and appreciate, and I can see them as role models, okay? But the pickings are a little bit slim, aren't they? Do do you go to sports? How about uh, LeBron James? Well, he dumped on Cleveland, didn't he? He's going to the Lakers. How about Tiger? He didn't even make the cut in the U.S. Open. How about politicians? Let's move on. How about, <laughs> how about pastors? You can admire and appreciate pastors, can't you? Except two weeks ago, did you hear in the news this television evangelist down in Louisiana? Do you know what he's asking his people for? A little extra giving so that he can have a $54 million jet to pre- preach the gospel of, of the Lord, okay? Ish. Would you say it with me? Ish. Okay. 
So people that we might look up to, they're going to fail us quite often. Yes? Let me show you one. Let us show you one who will never fail you, that you can admire, admire and appreciate, and you can give your heart and mind and soul to him. Okay, let's get in Scripture. Would you uh, open your Bibles to John 14? It's on page 648, if you have one of these uh, worship center Bibles. As I say John 14, some of you might say, John, wait a minute, John 14. That sounds familiar. Might for a lot of you. Uh, Here's how John 14 starts. Jesus is saying, don't worry about a thing. In my Father's house, here are many rooms. And I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you can be also. And uh, you know the way where I'm going. Thomas, the doubter, he's probably shaking and says, Lord, we don't know the way. What are you talking about? We don't know the way. And Jesus says what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Okay, so that sets the scene. That's the context. Now pick it up with me at verse 7. Jesus is still speaking, and here's what he says. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, hear this now, from now on, you do know him and have seen him, exclamation point. Philip, you know, he too probably, he's shaking his head, wondering what's going on. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone, hear this now, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, exclamation point. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Okay, that's the scripture for this morning, at least one of them. And here's what I want you to know. In the English language, we use the word to see in in a variety of ways. I, I see this music stand. I see you sitting there optically with my eyes. I see things, yes? We also use the word see to say, um, oh, I see what you mean, or I see, what, uh, I see what you're saying. We use that word see for understanding or discernment, okay? In the Greek language, let's do a little Greek for a moment, we're okay with this. There are two different words. To see is vlepo with a V, vlepo, I see things, vlepo. Uh, to understand or discern things is hara'o. Why do I tell you that? Because in this text, Jesus is using that second word, haraho. So here's what he's saying. If you see me, well, we've seen you, Jesus. No, no. What he's saying is, if you understand who I am, if you receive what I have for you, if you let the Spirit come upon you, then you're going to understand the Father. You will have seen the Father. Get it? This is the primary reason why Jesus came was to reveal the Father to us. Wait a minute. Didn't he come to teach and to, and to show us how to live and to die on the cross and to rise up again to forgive give us of our sins? Yes. But all of that, folks, all of that to reveal the Father's heart and mind to us fully. So there's no mystery. We understand who God our creator is and, and how to relate to him. That's why Jesus came. Now, that's the message for everybody. Through Jesus, we get to see, understand who our Father God is. Guys, here's where we're going today. Men, we're, we're hoping for a little haraho, understanding. We want you to see, understand, appreciate, get it, who Jesus was as a real man, because he was the most extraordinary man who ever lived, okay? And then just one more point, start to loosen up, you're almost on, okay? <laughs> Ryan and I know this. It's kind of an odd thing to say, but hear me. 
Some of you have had a bad experience with the church. We would apologize for that if we could, and we would mean it sincerely. Some of you have been hurt or judged or excluded. It happens. What I would say is, my dear friend, please don't judge Jesus by that experience you had with the church, okay? It's not one and the same thing. And so this morning, especially guys, come past us with an open mind and heart so that you might see Jesus in a new light today, okay? That's where we're going. Thanks, Bill. You know, you've probably heard this before. It takes 10,000 hours to become a master at something. You know that? That's what it looks like, what we just saw right there. And uh, I just marvel at Bill's mastery of sharing uh, his heart and God's word with us. And I'm at about 3,000 hours, so here we go, okay? So we're, we're really excited to, to talk more about uh, Jesus and, and, and begin to understand him even more, who he was, to really know, specifically through the lens of what does Jesus reveal to us about what it means to be a man, to, to be a real man on this Father's Day. But I want to just pause and, and spend just a bit more time thinking about that. He was a man. He was human. And we think about Jesus being fully God, and he was. He was fully God. That puts him in a different category, but he was also fully man. He became like us, took on flesh, faced uh, many of the same experiences and challenges that we face as human beings. That means he's relatable. If we just see him as God, we, we miss this. He's relatable. And, and he is someone we can aspire to. That's what we're talking about today. We can become more like, or as scripture says, whoever claims to live in him must walk or must live as Jesus did. This hit me in a new way when I was in Israel a few years ago uh, with a group from Hosanna and a group of guys. It was a hot day in Galilee. We were staying on the Sea of Galilee and, and a group of guys says, let's go out into the Sea of Galilee. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? And we, and we cooled off, and we were bobbing up and down, and the youngest guy in the group uh, said, well, let's have a competition to see who can swim the longest holding their breath underwater. And guys, we always turn everything into a competition, don't we? And I, as I was bobbing up and down there, I had the thought, you know, Jesus probably did this. Jesus was a man. Probably did this with his disciples on a hot day in Galilee 2,000 years ago with, with, with his friends. And he was a real man. So in a way, we're, we're going to just kind of bob up and down with Jesus for a while as we think about what does it mean to be, to, to really be human, to be a real, real man. And we're going to talk about four qualities that Jesus embodied, that Jesus exemplified as a man for us. And the first one is humility. Jesus was humble, profoundly humble. Let's look at this, this passage in, in Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. And they are trying to understand what does it mean to be followers of Jesus? What does it mean to be the church that represents who Jesus is? To be men and women who are like Jesus. And here's what Paul writes in verse 3. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others with swimming competitions or preach-offs or whatever. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too. Be humble, be humble. And from there, Paul goes on to, to give uh, in this letter what is known as the Christ hymn, a hymn that was sung by, by the early church 
uh, in their worship services. A hymn about Jesus and specifically about Jesus' humility, how humble he was, how categorically different his, his presence, his humility was, especially in that culture that was an honor-shame culture. Protect your honor, avoid shame, humiliation, or its close cousin, humility. Jesus showed people a different way to be humble. What it means to be a real man, to be growing in our manhood, our personhood, is to be growing in humility. A couple of definitions of humility that have been helpful for me come right out of this passage in Philippians 2. One is that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself less. See it? Thinking about yourself less, which I think is one of our fears. Thinking less of myself, is this you know, about self-esteem? No, no, no. But thinking about yourself, it's, it's about moving from you know, self-preoccupation to a life that is more self-less, thinking about ourself less. It's not self-degradation, but moving toward less self-preoccupation. And that's, that's what humility is, which is such a gift, by the way. It's, it's freeing. It's a gift to the world, humility. It's a gift to you. A life that is consumed with self is very small and suffocating, but this kind of life of humility, of giving and serving is, is very freeing. Another definition that I've loved uh, when it comes to humility is that humility is using the position and power and privilege that you've been given to lift others up. That's what we see here with Jesus. He, had, he was God. Talk about power and, and position Divine privileges, he gave them all up. We too, this is what we mean in our vision when we say we are called to empower the powerless. Those who have less power than us, less privilege than us. Vulnerable children, the the poor, the broken. We are called to use what we have to lift them up. What's the opposite of humility? Pride. Pride is the barrier that stands in the way of us being more like Jesus and men, as men. When it, when it comes down to men struggle with pride? No. When's the last time you asked for directions when you were lost? We do. This has helped me in my own struggle with pride. Because we all struggle with it. That pride is, is always, always a cover-up for insecurity. Always. The thing behind the thing with pride is insecurity. Pride is an indicator that we're trying to find our ultimate security in ourselves, in other people, in what others think of us, in stuff we have. And when you're trying to find your ultimate security in any of those things, you, you can't find security. You don't find security, and therefore there's pride covering it up, puffing up to cover it up. But when we are anchored in the unconditional love of God, Jesus Christ, when we are anchored in our true identity, remember the series, if you were here, that series anchored, we just came out of, if you're anchored in your true identity as a child of God, then there's real security, real security, like Jesus. People who are anchored are secure, or maybe say it this way today, anchored men are secure men, secure men are humble men, and when we're humble, we, we have nothing to prove and everything to give. Jesus was so humble. It was appealing. It was attractive. Humility is. And, and Jesus possessed that. Thanks, Ryan. Um, I, I like what Ryan's saying about humility. Just one more thought there. It, 
in your life, daily life, relationships, aren't these the people that you're drawn to? People who are humble and not full of themselves. Kind of turned off by those who are arrogant or prideful. And, you know, I, I had a funny thought. What if Jesus were arrogant or prideful? Yeah, should have been there the other day. 5,000 of them, and I know they got the number wrong. They, wrong. they didn't even count the kids. They were all hungry. I fed them just like that. <laughs> and we had leftovers. And then you know what? I went for a walk on the water. You got to love me. <laughs> I, you know, really. Here's the deal. It was never about Jesus. For him, it was never about him. It was about giving of himself, being humble. And here's the thing. Out of that humility, he was able to express a, a wide range of emotions. He was comfortable with his feelings, and he expressed them. And we see that in Scripture as well, story by story by story. We really do. So we guys, we can lean in, and we can learn from him on that. Let's look at one verse in, in Scripture. It's the shortest verse. Let's memorize it, okay? It's John 11, verse 35. It's going to be up on the screen. It's in your heart. Say it with me. Jesus wept. We memorized Scripture this morning. Jesus wept. Where was he? He was out. He's in the town, little town of Bethany. He had just arrived there a little late because his friend Lazarus had died four days ago. And he's standing outside Lazarus' tomb. That's the setting. Jesus shed tears some of you might think, wow, why did he or why would he? He was about to raise him from the dead. And I'd say, don't rush ahead, Ralph. Okay, in the moment, Jesus has just arrived, and he's standing outside his friend's tomb, and he feels grief. This is a friend of his, one of his guys. And Lazarus is gone. And so Jesus feels that grief. He's moved by it, and he sheds tears. He also has come to the small town of Bethany, and he sees Mary and Martha and all the people have they've lost a friend as well they're hurting and so he's moved by that he feels that with them and you know one other thing occurs to me in that moment and for the moment the enemy has won who's the enemy in the bible the enemy is always described as and is death death is the enemy and so it would seem for that moment you know death has come and, and stolen life from lazarus Death is the enemy. Through Jesus and his resurrection, we get a kingdom view, and we realize that's not true for us believers. Death is no longer the enemy. It's been, it's been defeated, okay? And death becomes simply a doorway, a transition from this life to life everlasting for us believers. I read this statement the other day, and I like it. I just passed it along to you. You and I are living simultaneously in time and in eternity, but it is eternity that gives significance and meaning to our time, to our days. Let that thought lean on your mind, okay? You're going to live forever. Me, I'm not so sure. I am. You're going to live forever. You're just going to determine where, okay? That will be determined for you, okay? We're living now in this time also in eternity. But when we reflect on, understand, see what eternity means, that impacts and adds significance to the time, the days we're living in. Another passage in Scripture, i just read it for you. Matthew nine thirty six. When he saw the crowds, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Okay. It's a tender passage, right? 
Jesus comes to a crowd, large group of people, doesn't just see the crowd, but sees the people, sees the beating hearts, and he knows their needs, he knows their hurts, he knows their confusion. It's described by Matthew for us. It's like he saw them as sheep who needed what? Who needed him. They, they need me. They need a shepherd. They need one to, to guide them, care for them, feed them, nurture them, protect them. They need me. I believe with all my heart on this uh, Father's Day morning in June, Jesus is moving around the room right now, and he sees his church, and he loves it, and he sees the crowd gathered here and out in Shakopee, but he sees individuals as well. And he knows your needs, and he knows your hurts, and he knows your loneliness, and he knows your loss. He just does, and he has a tender heart for you. He is moved to compassion. So one of the questions, and another question that I would ask you guys is, what moves your heart to tears? What touches you? When is your heart particularly tender? And, and are you okay with that? Do people, does anybody know that's going on for you? Some of the men that I admire most, and I, this goes early back in my ministry, early in the Hosanna days here, I saw them and I, and, I, and, I, and I looked at them and watched them. Some of the men I admire most were the men who were comfortable with moist eyes or getting a, a handkerchief or a Kleenex out and, and, and wiping their eyes, bumping their microphone, blowing their nose, you know, because they were, they were comfortable within themselves, comfortable expressing these feelings, just like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We could talk about how he handled anger appropriately. We could talk about frustration. We could talk about his fatigue. It's all in Scripture. What we're seeing is the real humanity of Jesus. It's another reason why we are drawn to him, I think. I'm smiling back there for a number of reasons. One, Bill, it's just funny, isn't he? <laughs> Uh, it's a gift to laugh, and I think Jesus, too, had, I'm sure, that gift of making people laugh. I'm also smiling because if you were to look at Bill's notes, you can't read a single word that he's written down here. I mean, li literally, every word is illegible. Um, the other reason I'm smiling, really, is, I mean, this is kind of, you know, stream of consciousness here, but there was a Christmas Eve. Some of you here four years ago, and we were singing. I think it was Away in the Manger or something like that, and we were sitting in the front row, and I looked over, and I, one of the goats, we have animals here on Christmas Eve, had started to eat Pastor Bill's sermon notes, and I had to run up there and pull them out of his mouth anyway. Love Christmas Eve at Hosanna. That anyway. goat went to heaven. <laughs> I'm sure. Okay, so what are we talking about? Uh, Jesus was, he was humble, he was compassionate as a man, and he was generous. He was generous with what? Everything. His life, everything. He was generous with his life. L listen to this. This is Mark 10, uh, 45 says, For even the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many, to give his life, to give his entire life, what it means to be on the journey of authentic manhood, personhood, is to be uh, increasingly generous with our lives, to understand that everything, everything we have is, is from God, everything. And therefore, everything that we have 
is available to be used by God in the lives of other people. That's generosity. We are growing in our manhood when we begin to understand that, that everything we have is, is to be used by God for others. That increasingly we're thinking not about what can I get, what can I get, what can I get, but what can I give? That's what it means to be a real man. And that's been a journey in my own life as I've, I've been on that journey. And I've had some examples. I couldn't be where I am today without examples of generosity in my life who have been like Jesus uh, to me. On Father's Day, I think of my own dad and his generosity. I think of my father-in-law and his generosity. I think about uh, some mentors, some father figures in my life. And I think about this man behind me. I think about his generosity toward me in lots of ways. Uh, Bill and Nancy, Jennifer, and I have committed to, to um, having a good relationship. We, we are so grateful for Bill and Nancy in our lives. The other night we were out to dinner with them, and uh, of course that moment comes, there's, there's a picture there, and that moment comes when, well, who's going to pay, and, and Bill said, ah, you know, put your wallet away. This is National Pay for Your Successors Dinner Day. <laughs> <laughs> is anyone familiar with a comparable pay for your predecessor day? I don't think there is one. Anyway, <laughs> generosity, just one example. It, it, we'll, we'll find that day of, of generosity. But, but more than that, I mean, just the time, the wisdom, uh, the, the resources that he's poured into my life over the years, especially when I've needed it most, you know, those moments. I think of one moment in particular uh, where we found out we were pregnant with number three. Well, that's good news, right? We, the day before, we had sold all of our baby stuff on eBay. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> and I went into Bill's office because, you know, our parents, they weren't going to be any help because it's like another grandkid. <laughs> but I went into Bill's office and, and processed some of this with him. I mean, we weren't expecting this. And now we can't imagine life without number three, right? But at that point, we couldn't imagine life with diapers again. <laughs> And we're processing that. He met with Jen and counseled her and he even took me out. We played tennis together. He let me win, I think, you know. <laughs> but it was the time invested, the generosity of time. And what it means to be a, a real man, to be fully human, is to increasingly think, how can I not get but give my life, give it? You know, that, that like Jesus, we, we don't come to be served, serve me, serve me, but to serve others and to give our lives, to give them away over and over and over again. That's who Jesus was. And as we know him and understand him as a man, we increasingly step into that as well. All right. Um, I did uh, have the dad talk with Ryan. This is where babies come from, son. <laughs> wasn't in the <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for your kind words. I like the picture, too. At least our wives are good-looking, didn't you think? I want, you know, I, I want to uh, talk to you about, uh, about Jesus uh, as a man of courage. And I'll, I'll get to that in a second. I just, it occurs to me also to, to just, guys, to talk to you for a moment about his physical strength. I don't know if we, you know, he just walked around in a white robe and was kind and gentle. His physical strength was extraordinary. I, I have loved women's volleyball for a long, long time. Our daughter played and loved watching it. 
Do you realize that after every point, women's volleyball, after every point, the, the team huddles up in the center, and there's a the center of the court, there's a touch. They made the point, they lost the point, there's a touch, the pat, you know, encouragement, and they go back and play. Uh, they're trying to get uh, boys' volleyball established as a high school sport. I was over watching boys' volleyball a couple uh, months ago. <clears throat> this happened more than once. Occasionally, a guy would make a good shot, and you know what he did? Yeah! He goes like that. <laughs> the contrast made me laugh. Didn't make you laugh, but it made me laugh. So the girls, it's a team sport, and the guy, yeah. We, at some level, we admire guys with physical strength, I guess. Think of Jesus. From the Bethlehem cradle, there came then a ride on a camel to Egypt, and then the carpenter shop for many years, and then the crowds moving in around and escaping the crowds, and then the cross at Calvary and the death that he suffered there. We can hardly begin to imagine the physical strength and stamina and endurance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as a man. Some of you do go to the Holy Land and we walk six miles that day. Yes, and bless you, and you do, and it's wonderful, and he did that every single day of his life. Think of his courage just for a few moments. Again, the stories tell us Jesus stood up to the political military powers of the day the Roman Empire, and it was oppressive and it was cruel. He did not run nor cower nor hide. He stood with courage before them and spoke truth to them. And you know what? He even loved them. Love your enemies. He did it. Centurion came. The Roman soldier came and said, my servant is sick. Can you heal him? Yeah, I'll come over to your house. You don't have to come to my house. You just say the word, and I know you have the authority, and it was done. Peter, Peter, in the garden, as they came to arrest Jesus, took out a sword and chopped off the ear of a Roman soldier. That a boy, Peter. And Jesus healed the Roman soldier. He loved him. He stood up to the Roman Empire. Jesus also stood up to the religious authorities, the Jewish authorities of his day, and that was no small thing. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, arrogant and prideful and critical and condemning and judging of the people. And Jesus called them out for who they were and what they were all about. He stood up to them. Pharisees sent the temple guards, the security people, to arrest Jesus, and, and they came back after a while without Jesus. They didn't arrest him, and, and the Pharisees said, Why didn't you arrest him? Do you remember their response? Because we have never heard anyone speak like this. He wasn't armed with guards or with weapons. He was armed with the truth of Almighty God and the power of his word. Jesus also stood up to every temptation and every enemy that would defeat the people that he loved. He was a man of courage. And that courage led him to the death on a cross where he showed the perfect love, the sacrificial love, the all-compelling love, the transforming love. No greater love has a man than this and that he lay down his life for his friends. Extraordinary courage. I would say this from time to time. I used to step up to the edge of the platform and say, men, would you look at me, please? I'm, I love you and I mean this kindly, but, but, and this might be a little bit blunt, but if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you... You cannot ever say, and you must not ever say, well, that's just the way I am. 
a little stubborn, a little, you know, quick with my temper, a little get angry. That's just, just the way I am. That is a godless statement that reflects not one scintilla of faith in the God who created you and can transform your heart and change your life. He's the God who has a call on your life. And he calls you to greater things. And so, man, we embrace this passage of a couple months ago. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in your life. Yes and amen to that. So, men, what I'm saying, trying to say is, I don't want you to get stuck. And I don't want you to make excuses. I want you to be open to the call he has on your life to be the best, the best man you could possibly be like he was. In these last uh, months, I've had to say goodbye to a couple of, of people who were dear to me, good friends. One was Terry Saul. Terry served the country. He used to fly jets for the Navy. Then he was a commercial pilot. He was married to Max, longtime Lakeville residents. And uh, Terry was a funny guy. Uh, he had four jokes, and he told them every time you saw him, and we just we enjoyed him. <laughs> And uh, he was generous with his time. He volunteered all over the place. And I never, I, I don't think I ever saw Terry where he didn't give me something. I have shirts. I have hats. I have socks. He would have given me underwear. He, he, he thought I was poorly dressed, evidently. I, you know, he, but it, everybody at his funeral said the same thing, this generosity of this man, Terry. I remember him for that. I miss him. Another friend of mine, uh, Kenny Knudsen, he died on April 1st. That was Easter Sunday, you might remember. Uh, July 28th, Kenny and I shared the same birthday. And so for Kenny and me, it was a lot of birthdays and a lot of boat shows. We loved boats. A lot I could tell you about Kenny, about Kenny. Here's the one thing that stands out. He and Barb raised three boys. Every single morning, Kenny would make those boys breakfast. Every day. And if they had a challenging day or a test, he, he would make it extra special. He loved his sons and served them that way. Why am I telling you about these two guys? Oh, because they were big and strong and made a lot of money. <laughs> nope. They had these two Jesus traits and others. The compassion, the generosity, the service. And I admired them for that, and I love them, and I miss them. I'm glad to tell you about them and honor them. My dear friends, men, even more so, I'm glad to tell you about my friend Jesus Christ, the greatest man who ever lived. And he came also to serve us. He came to show us how to live life, to be a model for us, and he came to save us. And so I, Ryan and I have prayed. We're, we're hoping right now that the Spirit's moving and you're seeing him in a new way and you're understanding and you're appreciating him and you're saying, oh, my, oh, my, I would love to follow him. so deeply touching to hear Bill talk about his friends and I'm sure that conjures up, stirs up some thoughts that you have about men in your life that maybe are no longer in this life with us. You know, our heart in this message has been for you to, to understand, to see and understand Jesus a little bit more, who he was as, as a man and 
begin to ask, how can I grow in those ways? Humility, compassion, and courage, and generosity. But we've known pastorally in our pastor's hearts, we knew going into this there'd be some who are struggling with one or more. All of us struggle with, with something in, in what we've talked about today. Uh, but, but especially those who are struggling with these topics because of what we're celebrating today. It's Father's Day. Maybe a relationship that you had with your dad or didn't have with your dad or how he modeled this or didn't model this for you. Wherever you are in that, would you be encouraged by this? I believe God gave us this scripture to share with you. It's Hebrews 12.10. says, for our earthly fathers disciplined us, or better translation, be raised us, trained us up for a few years doing the best that they knew how. But there's some healing in that, some forgiveness, some letting go, maybe even forgiving yourself the best they knew how. But God's discipline, how he raises us up, is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Whatever our relationship with our earthly fathers, we have a perfect heavenly father who can perfectly raise us up in these ways that we've talked about today. But there's only one way that it'll happen. Only one way. It goes back to what Bill talked about at the very beginning. John Chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is an incredible example, but he's more than an example. He is the way that we come to know the intimate, unconditional, unwavering love of God in Jesus. And it's the way that we know our true identity that anchors us as a child of God. And it's the way that we come to know the Father. Jesus says, you've seen me, you've you've seen the Father. It's the only way to know the Father, to be raised up by this perfect heavenly Father that we might grow and become the people that he created us to be. Jesus and him alone. Christ is enough. He's all that we need. We're gonna sing about that in just a moment. Uh, But before we do that, uh, as a special Father's Day blessing, Pastor Bill's gonna come up and pray for dads. I would ask all the the fathers to stand, please. Dads, granddads, um, would you please stand here and out in Shakopee as well? Do you remember, men, that when when John the Baptist was in prison, he sent messengers to Jesus, and, and the question was, are you the one that we've been looking for, or should we look for another? And I hope that question is answered for you today, men. He's the one, the one and only. Let me pray with you. Uh, Lord, our our confession could be, I think, for all of the guys standing, that sometimes we get confused about what it means to be a man. Maybe we grew up with those thoughts, Lord. Maybe it's our needs. You know all about that, Lord. Holy Spirit, come now, please. Pierce every heart that we might see Jesus is the kind of man that we want to be. Yes, Lord. Yes and amen to that. Bless these dads, Lord. You've created them. You know them. You love them. You have a call on their lives to be the best. And so I pray you fill them up, lift them up, restore them, wrap your arms around them, Lord. Whatever they need, bless them and their families who are gathered with them some right now. You are an awesome God, and we thank you for this day and for sending your word, Jesus Christ, to us. In his name, with all our hearts, we express our thanks.
Amen. Would you clap for these dads? Would everybody please stand and let's sing?